Bioshock is a video game which is known for being influenced by the ideas of Ayn Rand. But what exactly is the nature of that influence? A YouTuber who goes by the name President Sunday discusses that question in a video that I will be commenting on. I won't be commenting on the accuracy of what he says about Rand's influence, or lack thereof, on Bioshock, a game which I know little about and have never played. Instead, I will just discuss some of its comments on Ayn Rand, whom I know a lot about and have been reading and studying for many years. Before going further, I should mention that President Sunday's video and my commentary on it include some major plot spoilers of Ayn Rand's novels Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead, so you might want to stop watching now. Now that you've had a chance to stop, I shall proceed to his video. However, since I'm not sure what images in his video I might need permission to use, and since I don't want to violate copyright, I won't be using any of his images. I will only be using his audio. In place of his images, I've created some slides to highlight certain quotes. Here we go. On the surface, Ken Levine's Bioshock seems to be a satire of objectivism, the curious ideological movement started by Ayn Rand dogmatically valorizing free markets and total emotional and social independence. Here I just want to focus on this last part. Dogmatically valorizing free markets and total emotional and social independence. Why does he use the word dogmatically? Does Rand not give reasons and arguments for her views? And what does he mean by total emotional and social independence? Rand's heroes have strong emotional relationships with each other. They are not isolated hermits to whom other people are irrelevant. But they do realize that healthy personal relationships are built on a foundation of independent thinking and productiveness, not mindless conformity and parasitism. Bioshock was released amidst what seemed at the time to be a strange popular resurgence of interest in Ayn Rand's writings, and indeed it would be only three years after Bioshock was published that the first episode of a terrible, terrible trilogy of film adaptations of her most famous and incidentally also her worst novel, Atlas Shrugged. Her worst novel, Atlas Shrugged. I think Atlas Shrugged is Rand's greatest novel. Not only that, I think it may be the greatest novel ever written, given its tremendous scope, its philosophic depth, and its literary brilliance. The Fountainhead is a great novel too. Rand was a philosophic and literary genius. But don't take my word for it. I encourage you to read Rand and decide for yourself. As for the movie adaptations, which came out in 2011 through 2014, decades after Rand died, I'll just say that I only saw the first one in the series of three, and I was not a fan. Was released on DVD and Blu-ray. Clocking in at over a thousand pages in mass-market paperback, Atlas Shrugged is a very long novel, but its contents are actually quite simple. Really? Atlas Shrugged has tremendous complexity and depth. One could spend years studying it. One could profitably reread it many times, and I have. 
I've often heard people say they continue to get more out of it every time they read it. It's a book rich with deep new insights. But again, don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself and decide. In a world where sneaky, slimy politicians and businessmen use the cause of the poor and the common good to impose limitations and extract unearned wealth and work from the great and the enterprising, a mysterious figure named John Galt constructs a secret city to which he spirits away the great men and women of the world, leaders, inventors, magnates, artists, actors, etc., to a glorious utopia where technology, art, building, and free love can flourish unfettered where free love can flourish unfettered. Now this reference to free love struck me as bizarre, given that I most associate that term with a promiscuous, hippie sort of attitude towards sex, to which Rand was profoundly opposed. For instance, here's a quote from an interview that Rand did with Playboy magazine in 1964. Quote, Sex is one of the most important aspects of man's life, and therefore must never be approached lightly or casually. A sexual relationship is proper only on the ground of the highest values one can find in a human being. Sex must not be anything other than a response to values, and that is why I consider promiscuity immoral. Not because sex is evil, but because sex is too good and too important." Unquote. Now, maybe President Sunday meant something different by free love than the hippie sort of attitude towards sex. If so, I'm curious what meaning he had in mind. But it should at least be clear that one common meaning of that term definitely does not apply to Rand. Looting slave morality of the mass of mankind. The plot of the novel follows railroad magnate Dagny Taggart as she uncovers the mystery of these disappearances and eventually finds Galt's city for herself. This city, called Galt's Gulch, sometimes colloquially referred to as Atlantis, appears on first glance to be the principal inspiration for Bioshock's setting, in which Belarus-born magnate Andrew Ryan, whose biography and name are an obvious nod to the Russian-born Ayn Rand, constructs a city under the sea in order to escape the tyranny of morals and social welfare of the surface, and indeed most of the enemies one encounters are eccentric artists, doctors, and scientists, or their creations, whom Ryan invited in the same manner as John Galt to live down in the depths with him. This is where the similarities end, and indeed Bioshock has been criticized by the attentive for not accurately representing Ayn Rand's ethics at all with the control-obsessed Andrew Ryan having more in common with a Randian villain, like the manipulative Ellsworth Toohey, the principal antagonist to the heroic and strangely prone to acts of rape Howard Rourke from her earlier and, in my opinion, much better novel, The Fountainhead. Strangely prone to acts of rape Howard Rourke. Now, I think saying that Howard Rourke is prone to acts of rape is, at best, a misunderstanding. But it might just be a smear. It's very common for Rand's critics to try to smear her and attack straw men. In any case, I think it's clear from the book that the sex is consensual, that the woman Rourke has sex with, Dominique Francon, desperately wants it. Let me read some relevant passages from the so-called rape scene in The Fountainhead. 
quote, She fought like an animal, but she made no sound. She did not call for help, unquote. Now, why did she make no sound? Why didn't she call for help? Maybe because she wanted the sex? Another passage. Quote, It was an act that could be performed in tenderness as a seal of love or in contempt as a symbol of humiliation and conquest. It could be the act of a lover or the act of a soldier violating an enemy woman. He did it as an act of scorn, not as love, but as defilement. And this made her lie still and submit. One gesture of tenderness from him, and she would have remained cold, untouched by the thing done to her body. But the act of a master taking shameful, contemptuous possession of her was the kind of rapture she had wanted." I repeat, it was, quote, the kind of rapture she had wanted, unquote. Then, a bit later, after Rourke has left Dominique and she is alone, we get this passage. Quote, she thought she must take a bath. The need was unbearable, as if she had felt it for a long time. Nothing mattered, if only she would take a bath. She dragged her feet slowly to the door of her bathroom. She turned the light on in the bathroom. She saw herself in a tall mirror. She saw the purple bruises left on her body by his mouth. She heard a moan muffled in her throat, not very loud. It was not the sight, but the sudden flash of knowledge. She knew that she would not take a bath. She knew that she wanted to keep the feeling of his body, the traces of his body, on hers. Unquote. So she chooses not to take a bath because she desires to keep the feeling of his body, the traces of his body, on hers. Does that sound like the desire of a woman who didn't want it? I don't think so. Another passage. Quote, they had been united in an understanding beyond the violence, beyond the deliberate obscenity of his action. Had she meant less to him, he would not have taken her as he did. Had he meant less to her, she would not have fought so desperately. The unrepeatable exaltation was in knowing that they both understood this. Unquote. Now, aside from providing evidence of Ayn Rand's beautiful writing, I think these passages, more to the point at hand, make it clear that Rourke does not literally rape Dominique. The act is consensual. Her struggle against Rourke during sex is not evidence that she doesn't want it, but evidence of how much she does want it. She wants to be physically dominated by Rourke. That's a turn-on for her. And putting up a fight gives Rourke the opportunity to display his dominance and his desire for her in a way that just lying there compliantly would not. And, as the narrator says, they both understand this. A few pages later, Dominique does use the word raped to describe what happened to her. She says, quote, I've been raped. I've been raped by a red-headed hoodlum from a stone quarry. Unquote. 
but I think it's clear in the context of the novel, given such passages as I've already quoted, that she isn't speaking literally there. In fact, in the same paragraph in which Dominique says, I've been raped, the narrator says that these words, quote, gave her the same kind of pleasure she had felt in his arms, unquote. Now I'm going to skip ahead about 13 minutes in President Sunday's video. Near the end of another of Rand's books, The Virtue of Selfishness, is a little-known essay called The Nature of Government, which begins by stating that, quote, A government is an institution that holds the exclusive power to enforce certain rules of social conduct in a given geographical area, unquote. And later in the essay, she expands on this, quote, The fundamental difference between private action and governmental action, a difference thoroughly ignored and evaded today, lies in the fact that a government holds a monopoly on the legal use of physical force. It is the agent of restraining and combating the use of force, and for that very same reason, its actions have to be rigidly defined, delimited, and circumscribed. No touch of whim or caprice should be permitted in its performance. It should be an impersonal robot, with the laws as its only motive power. If a society is to be free, its government has to be controlled." Unquote. If this sounds familiar, this is because Rand is expectorating a cliché of the definition of a state proposed by the German political theorist, not sociologist, Max Weber. Rand is expectorating a cliché. Why the harsh words? who in his late essay, Politics as a Vocation, taught in introductory political science classes around the globe, wrote that, quote, In the past, the use of physical violence by widely differing organizations, starting with the Klan, was completely normal. Nowadays, in contrast, we must say that the state is the form of human community that, successfully, lays claim to the monopoly of legitimate physical violence within a territory. And this idea of territory is an essential defining feature, for what is specific to the present is that all other organizations or individuals can assert the right to use physical violence only insofar as the state permits them to do so. The state is regarded as the sole source of the right to use violence. Hence what politics means for us is to strive for a share of power or to influence the distribution of power, whether between states or between the groups of people within a state." Unquote. Here I just want to focus on this part in the middle that I've underlined. The state is regarded as the sole source of the right, in quotes, to use violence. Now that is different from Rand's view. On Rand's view, the state, or government, or society, is not the source of rights, of any rights. Nor is God the source of rights, as the Founding Fathers thought when they wrote in the Declaration of Independence that men are, quote, endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, unquote. Rand is an atheist. In Rand's view, the source of rights is the nature of man, here is a paragraph from her on this point. 
Quote, the source of man's rights is not divine law or congressional law, but the law of identity. A is A, and man is man. Rights are conditions of existence required by man's nature for his proper survival. If man is to live on earth, it is right for him to use his mind. It is right to act on his own free judgment. It is right to work for his values and to keep the product of his work. If life on earth is his purpose, he has a right to live as a rational being. Nature forbids him the irrational. Any group, any gang, any nation that attempts to negate man's rights is wrong, which means is evil, which means is anti-life. Unquote. Now, I'm pretty sure that here at least, Rand is not expectorating cliches, even if she does have something in common with Weber elsewhere. Rand had a profound understanding of man's rights, an understanding that I think is probably unprecedented in the history of thought, and that informs her view of the proper role of government. Now I want to skip ahead a few minutes in the video and play one final section about the political spectrum. This is how most people conceptualize politics. And in this respect, Ayn Rand is extraordinarily normal. Alarmingly normal. Really? I actually don't think Rand conceptualizes politics in a normal way, let alone in an extraordinarily or alarmingly normal way. For instance, many people see so-called liberals and conservatives as being at odds, but Rand sees them as fundamentally similar, as merely two sides of the same coin, each of which is opposed to freedom. Here's a relevant passage from Ayn Rand. Quote, Both conservatives and liberals hold the same premise, the mind-body dichotomy, but choose opposite sides of this lethal fallacy. The conservatives want freedom to act in the material realm. They tend to oppose government control of production, of industry, of trade, of business, of physical goods, of material wealth. But they advocate government control of man's spirit, i.e. man's consciousness. They advocate the state's right to impose censorship, to determine moral values, to create and enforce a governmental establishment of morality, to rule the intellect. The liberals want freedom to act in the spiritual realm. They oppose censorship. They oppose government control of ideas, of the arts, of the press, of education. Note their concern with, quote, academic freedom, unquote. But they advocate government control of material production, of business, of employment, of wages, of profits, of all physical property. They advocate it all the way down to total expropriation. The conservatives see man as a body freely roaming the earth, building sand piles or factories with an electronic computer inside his skull controlled from Washington. The liberals see man as a soul freewheeling to the farthest reaches of the universe, but wearing chains from nose to toes when he crosses the street to buy a loaf of bread. Neither camp holds freedom as a value. The conservatives want to rule man's consciousness, the liberals, his body." Unquote. I'll just add here that, in some ways, I think things might have gotten worse for one or both of these camps since Rand wrote that in 1973. 
Rand also saw socialism or communism on the one hand and fascism on the other as merely two variants of dictatorship. But in the graphic in President Sunday's video, which essentially looks like the one you can see here, they are presented as being on opposite ends of a spectrum, as though they are radically different. Here is a passage from Rand writing in 1968. Quote, For many decades, the leftists have been propagating the false dichotomy that the choice confronting the world is only communism or fascism, a dictatorship of the left or of an alleged right, with the possibility of a free society of capitalism dismissed and obliterated as if it had never existed. Unquote. And here is a passage from Rand in 1964. Quote, it is obvious what the fraudulent issue of fascism versus communism accomplishes. It sets up, as opposites, two variants of the same political system. It eliminates the possibility of considering capitalism. It switches the choice of freedom or dictatorship into which kind of dictatorship, thus establishing dictatorship as an inevitable fact and offering only a choice of rulers. The choice, according to the proponents of that fraud, is a dictatorship of the rich, fascism, or a dictatorship of the poor, communism. That fraud collapsed in the 1940s in the aftermath of World War II. It is too obvious, too easily demonstrable, that fascism and communism are not two opposites, but two rival gangs fighting over the same territory. That both are variants of statism, based on the collectivist principle that man is the rightless slave of the state. Unquote. The most salient political debates concern whether a socialist or a capitalist or a conservative or a liberal or a religious believer or an atheist, take your pick, gets to call the shots. The most salient political debates concern who gets to call the shots. What does that mean? Who gets to impose his will on others by initiating force? By coercion? If so, Ayn Rand rejects the idea that anyone gets to call the shots. No one should coerce anyone on her view. To coerce an individual, whether by taxation, regulation, rape, or slavery, is to violate his rights. According to Ayn Rand's morality of rational egoism, every individual is an end in himself and should neither sacrifice himself to others, nor others to himself. Socially and politically, this means that one should deal with others by voluntary means, not by initiating force. That completes what I wanted to say about President Sunday's video. There are other parts of his video that I did not comment on that mention Ayn Rand or her writings. In some of those cases, I have further objections to what he says, but in other cases, I do not. I think what he says is fine. But I did not want to do an exhaustive review. If you want to see his full video, I've put a link in the description. That's it for this video. Thanks for watching.